Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I want to um, uh, take a few moments to uh, talk to you this morning about a certain addiction that uh, most people have. There's all sorts of uh, addictions, aren't there? Whether that be uh, alcohol or food or EastEnders or whatever it might be, but all sorts of uh, things that people feel addicted to. But there's certainly one addiction that really quite a lot of people have, and that is what I've called here approval addiction. That is uh, uh, a desire for everyone in the world to like you. Everyone in the world to like you. And probably most people here today would say that they, you know, they, they want to be popular. No one wants to be disliked particularly. Eventually, uh, sooner or later, you do meet one or two people who say, oh, I don't care what people think of me. But most people do, don't they? Care a good deal what people think of them. And so it's quite a common thing. But I think that uh, while it's normal, I want to talk uh, this morning about some of the negative sides of what I'm calling approval addiction, meaning the negative side of needing, not just wanting, but needing everyone in the world to be happy with you. Uh, we've all faced this from, from time to time. I don't know how many people here are married, or if you're not married, you might have been involved in planning a wedding. And you get to this point where you have the seating plan for the wedding. Who's going to sit where? And if you have approval addiction, that's when it's going to come out uh, pretty strong there. Because you're going to decide, well, well, what are we going to do with Uncle Frank? Where is Uncle Frank going to sit? And then you end up with, well, uh, Sheila's coming, but Sheila doesn't like Tom. So we can't put Sheila on Tom's table, but Tom and Bernard don't get on. So how are we going to do this? Uh, or maybe it's, uh, and by the way, uh, what do you do with single people at a wedding? You know, they're couples and then there's the odds. And the odds get scattered across the wedding plan. And I was, you know, a single man for a long, long time. I've known what it is to end up on the most bizarre tables at weddings with Uncle Frank and Bernard. Because uh, uh, they thought, well, what can we do with him? Uh, of course, it's even worse if it's a Christian uh, wedding as such and someone decides oh I know let's put Peter he's a minister let's put him next to the voodoo wicker uh, uh, Star Trek fan uh, and, and, and let's you know let's see uh, I thought well thank you that'll be a dream day for me to be sat next to him so um, or, or if you've had like Christmas day and you have so-and-so coming over for Christmas day it's I 
mustn't speak ill of the dead, but for many, many years, it was my pleasure, in inverted commas, to have to entertain on Christmas Day my great aunt Olwyn, who used to come over. And aunt Olwyn is exactly the way that you are imagining her. And uh, she used to come over Christmas Day. And I remember all this thing about, well, you know, what are we going to watch on TV? What will aunt Olwyn want to watch? And what sort of sweet, you know, will aunt Olwyn want uh, after Christmas? Now, of course, we need to take a deep breath and say, of course, it's nice to be nice, isn't it? So it's nice to think, well, Aunt Olwyn doesn't like profiteroles and we won't have them, you know, for, you know, fair play. There's plenty of other days in the year. So we're not talking about being unkind, but, but there can come a real trap, you know, a real trap for us when actually we live out our lives for the benefit actually of, of other people completely. You know, in other words, decisions we make are not based necessarily upon what's right or wrong or popular, but based upon what will so-and-so think of me if I do this, or if I uh, say this, or if I wear this, you know, all those sorts of things. So I want to give you three reasons uh, this morning, from the Bible now, coming from the Bible, why we uh, should not uh, seek to be people pleasers um, all the time. It's, it can be a, a real virtue, you know, to care for others and to seek to help them and to, and to be kind to them. But why it cannot be a permanent thing um, in our lives. Uh, the first reason why I think we should avoid approval addiction is because, quite simply, it is impossible. It's impossible to, to uh, do it. You cannot please everyone, can you? Is that right? You cannot please everyone. It's impossible for everyone to be happy with you. And if you think everyone is happy with you, you are blissfully deluded. And we envy you. But not everyone can be happy with you all the time. Not everyone you work with is going to be happy with you all the time. It's impossible to please all the people all the time. Not everyone can be happy every day at work. Not everyone can be happy on Christmas Day. Not everyone can be happy at that, at that wedding reception. It's impossible to please everyone. And yet we meet so many people who are absolutely drained out because what they've actually done all their lives is live the life that someone else wanted them to live. And as followers of Christ, we want to live the life that God wants us to live. So we're not just talking about what, what's easier for us or good for us or whether we should be selfish or not. We're not just you know, considering those things. We're talking about actually living out the life that God wants us to live rather than the life that my Aunt Olwyn might want me to live or what Bernard might want me to... By the way, apologies if you are called Olwyn or Bernard here today. It's impossible. And people sometimes say, you know, well, I, uh, if I make such and such a decision, if I uh, decide to do you know, a certain thing, what will people think about me? But here's where 
Here's where the Bible is so, it's so wonderful. In Proverbs 17, verse 17, it says this. A friend loves at all times. What a great verse that is, isn't it? A friend loves at all times. And sometimes I think we can end up living our lives trying to please people who maybe don't even like us anyway, <laughs> or who, who uh, uh, wouldn't be happy whatever we, we did. A friend, you see, the Bible says, a real friend will love you at all times. And so if I have to make a decision that someone else doesn't like, or I'm doing something that someone else doesn't like, that as long as it's not hurting them, we're talking about me just living out my life, living out what I think God wants me to do, then there's a very real sense that if you're my friend, you're going to love me anyway. And if I'm your friend, I'm going to love you anyway, you see. So I think there's a, uh, we have to be just shaken free of this thing that everything I do, everyone in the world has to be happy with it. Everyone in my family has to be happy with every single decision I make. Well, uh, if you'll forgive the phrase, good luck with that, because it's completely impossible. The Bible says this in Proverbs 19, verse 21, many are the plans in a man's heart, the Lord's purpose prevails. Well, we often use that verse to talk about the will of God, but here today I just want to pick up just that first few, few words. Many are the plans in a man's heart. Inside our heads are many, many ideas. Inside us are many, many opinions. And so, whatever you decide to do, whatever, wherever you decide to move, whenever you decide to change job, whatever you decide to marry or, you know, whatever it is, that, there's going to be probably someone who's got a different idea to you. And that's why you have to live the life that God is calling you to live, not live the life that other people might want you to live. It's very, sometimes very difficult to uh, do this. Now, of course I must say, I'm not talking about this living like absolute rebels and I just, uh, you know, I, I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm going to hurt this one and that one. I'm just going to charge my way through life, not caring what anyone thinks. That's not what I'm talking about. In fact, the Bible encourages us to take advice. So I, we're not talking about throwing out any sense of discussing things with, you know, anyone at all. You know, for example, if you, if you are married and you decide you're going to put the house on the market, you really ought to talk to your husband or wife first, don't you think? Before you go out there and find that she comes home from work and finds that you put the for sale sign up. And when she looks, she says, what are you doing? He said, well, I heard on Sunday that I don't need the approval of anyone. Well, sometimes you might need the approval of someone. We're not talking about not showing up for work tomorrow and then sending a, a note to, the, to your supervisor or manager saying, well, I, I, I don't have to do what you tell me to do. You do if you want to get paid, sweetheart. You do. If you don't want to get the sack, you need to show up tomorrow or wherever it is. Show up, show up for your shift. So there's a place to submit to authority. There's a place to receive godly advice. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that many victories, uh, sorry, many advisors make victory sure. There's a place to say, I've got a dilemma. I don't know what to do. Let me get some 
advice. I was talking with someone on the phone earlier the other days in a real dilemma. And uh, I was trying to advise him, but I realized it was way over my head. And I said, you need to get professional advice. You need to get someone who knows what they're talking about talking to you. And uh, so there's a place to get advice. There's a place to not behave like a rebel and I'll do whatever I want to do. That's not God's will either. But what we're not really talking about that. We're talking about people whose consciences are, are, are softer. People who feel, I've just got to keep everyone happy. And I just want to, if you didn't know this already, I'm sure you do, but I want to just make it very clear. This is an impossible thing to have happen. So the first reason why we shouldn't be addicted uh, to being approved of by everyone in the world is because it's just not possible. To, it's not possible to keep everyone happy at work. It's not possible to keep everyone happy in the family. By the way, can I just say, it's not possible to keep everyone happy in a church. But you knew that already, didn't you? If you're not happy in the church at the moment, can I just tell you, it's just your turn at the moment. It'll be someone else's turn next month. But uh, that's just how the thing works. It's not possible to keep everyone happy. That's not our job to do. Our job is to keep God happy. We keep God happy, and then we're going to find ourselves approved unto God, not approved unto people. Second reason why we should be careful about this is uh, because it can lead to manipulation. If we are the kind of people who look to the approval of others, then we are more likely to do what they say or do what they hint that we should do. Now, some people are manipulative. Uh, We love people and we believe God has grace and love for people, but we also recognize that some people are a bit dangerous and they are manipulative. There is such a thing as a manipulative person and we need to just handle them with uh, care. But what about other people that are not manipulative? There are plenty of people who are very well-meaning people. And I want you to turn in your Bible now. Can you do that? Matthew chapter 16. I want to show you just something from the scripture. Matthew 16. Picking up around about verse 21. There's a little episode here in the Bible of where Jesus has sort of, or the Father has revealed the identity of Jesus. And this is the bit in Caesarea Philippi. And it's important for you to get this background. Then you understand the whole package of this. The Father has revealed to, to Peter, on this occasion it's Peter, that Jesus is the, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you know the story. Jesus says, who do people say I am? And uh, this is just a few verses back from where you are in your Bible there. Who do people say I am? And some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, one of the prophets. Who do you say I am? Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the man. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because this has been revealed to you by my father. You've had a revelation. And then these verses are really important. Verse 21, from that time. Is that what it says in your Bible? Something like that. From that time. In other words, as a result of this revelation, 
that Peter had just had, Jesus now had to say more. This isn't something he was going to really talk about, but now that the cat was out of the bag, now that they were calling him the Christ, you see, now that he'd opened up, yes, I am the Christ, I'm the Messiah you've been waiting for and prophesying about all these years. From that time, that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And then the story goes on. Peter took him aside. Can you just imagine this scene? And began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. See, this is why Jesus had to explain a bit more about the kind of Christ or Messiah that he was going to be. In these young men, these 12 disciples, and indeed in the general populace, who were waiting for a Messiah, their idea of the Messiah was he was going to be a military leader, like King David or someone like that. That he was going to arrive, remember at the time Jerusalem was occupied by Romans. So their idea was, yes, the Messiah is going to come, and he's going to come with a sword, and he's going to lead an army, and he's going to cut off a few Roman heads, you know, and throw the Romans out of Jerusalem, get them out of Palestine, get them out of Israel. And that was what they thought he was going to be. And that's why, by the way, Jesus has to keep his messiahship a bit of a secret. Have you ever read the Bible where he's sort of, you know, don't tell anyone what I've done? It's because of, it's probably because that the expectation they had of him was different to what it was really going to be. So when it is revealed, yes, I am the Messiah, then he begins to say, now, now, now you know that I'm the Messiah. Now I've got to tell you what kind of Messiah I'm, uh, that, that, that I'm going to be. I haven't come to kill anyone. I actually, I've come to be killed. I haven't come to get rid of the Romans. I've come to get rid of sin. I haven't come to get rid of Caesar. I've come to get rid of shame, you see. Uh, He had a much bigger plan. He was going to die for you and for me. He wasn't going to get the Romans out of Israel. He was going to get sin and judgment out of our lives. Can you say amen? So he begins to explain. No, Peter, I haven't come to to be like King David. I haven't come to be like Samson. I'm not going to start smashing everything up. I've actually come to suffer I've actually come to lay down my life. I've actually come to to pay the price for all the mistakes that you've made in your life. I've, I've come to die. Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him. Now you understand why he did, you see. Because that wasn't the kind of Jesus Christ he was, he was hoping for. Never, Lord, he says. This should never happen to you. And Jesus says these rather... Uh, Strong words, get behind me, Satan, you know. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Or you have human concerns. Now look, here was Peter giving advice. But Peter's advice was wrong. 
Now, it's not often you'll hear me say in public down a microphone and possibly on a radio station that Peter's advice is wrong. I normally like, to, I, I normally like the phrase, Peter's advice is right. But Peter's advice was wrong. Peter was not evil. He was not uh, manipulative in a negative way. He was very well-meaning. He loved Jesus. And when Jesus said, I'm going to die, his instinct was to protect him. And thank God that Jesus didn't have an addiction to approval because he had to be, he had to upset Peter in order to obey the will of God. Do you understand? And sometimes we have to upset people in order to do the will of God. And it's going to be true for you. If you are truly going to do the will of God, you are going to upset people. And you won't want to, and you'll be sad about it, and you'll go to bed with a heavy heart and a heavy head. There's my heart, there's my head. But if we are addicted, if Jesus was addicted to Peter thinking well of him all the time, he couldn't have reproofed him like that. Do you understand? And some people will try to protect you. Some people, and even when I became a Christian, I remember when I was 18 years old, when I first started following, I didn't come from a religious family at all. I was an atheist up until the age of 18 and I became a Christian. But when I became a Christian, some of my friends used to come and meet me, you know, sit down and try to persuade me, don't become a Christian. Because they were trying to protect me, weren't they? They were well-meaning, but they were wrong. Because in order to do the will of God, I had to be approved to God and disapproving to them. Yes. And some people will, even well-meaning people, Christian people, spiritual people, religious people, whatever you want to say, People who love you deeply will sometimes try to give you advice, well-meaning advice. But it's not actually the will of God. Let's turn to another passage. Go to Acts chapter 21. Will you do that? Acts chapter 21. Let's just see it again. Another occasion of it. And this is a story we've read Not so long ago, in the last year, I'm sure. Acts 21, verse 10. Strange occurrence. After we'd been there a number of days, this is a story about Paul and Luke. Luke is the writer of the Gospel of Luke and also this book, the book of Acts. So whenever you see the word we in the the book of Acts, it means Luke was there, you know, the writer. And that's going to be relevant in a minute. After we'd been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, coming over to us. He took Paul's belt. Paul is a missionary. He's planning uh, to go to Rome. And this is what happens. A prophet shows up, took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, And said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem 
will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Paul's vision was to take the gospel right to the heart of the empire, but right in this moment, he's on his way to the city of Jerusalem and here comes this prophet to tell him, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be arrested. But look what it says. When we heard this. Is that what it says in your Bible, something like that? When we heard this, that's Luke and all the wise Christian people who were there, all the speaking in tongues, Bible people who were all there in the church meeting that day. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Anyway, he says, no, don't break my heart. You know, I'm ready to go. And when he would not be dissuaded, verse 14, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Just want to show you another example. It's a class. That's Luke we're talking about here. You've got his book. Saint Luke said to Paul, don't go. Just like Peter said to Jesus, don't go. Why? Because they were moved to protect their friend. But sometimes we have to step aside from what people want of us when we know what God wants of us. And really that just leads me neatly really into this final point here. That sometimes to be addicted to the approval of others can actually replace what God's will is in our lives. Paul says in Galatians 1.10, let me just read it to you. He says, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Am I trying to please people? Says the apostle, he says, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want to read it again. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. None of us want to upset anyone everyone wants the approval of maybe someone in authority I want my mum to be proud of me don't I and so do you and uh, I don't think my mum would be proud of you but she wants to be proud of me you want your dad to be proud of you you want your 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 peers or people you look up to you want them to like you but let me ask this this question Is this sometimes at the expense of what God might think about us and what God might want for us? It's great to have friends and it's great to have advice. But but can it be that at times there could be conflict between those things? If I'd done everything that people told me, I would not have become a Christian. If I'd done everything people told me, uh, I certainly wouldn't have traveled as a missionary around Brazil. If I'd listened to uh, what people had told me, we wouldn't be in this upper room here this morning. Sometimes to do the will of God means that we have to sometimes displease other people. I just want to ask you this morning, just a really simple question. Are you prepared to do that? 
Sometimes we are prepared to upset people for our own interests. But are you, are you prepared to have conflict with people? And we're not talking about being rude, but we're just talking about stepping aside from that compulsion to do everything they want us to do. There's a story in Acts, we won't turn to it for the sake of time, but in Acts chapter 12, there's the story of King Herod who seizes James and has James put to death with a sword. Most likely he cut his head off. It's the second time I've mentioned heads coming off in one sermon, isn't it? It must be the thought of Jane feeling at home in prison. It makes me rather nervous. The Bible says that King Herod is not the King Herod from the Christmas story, but one a few decades later. But it passed from son to son. That's why he has the same name. That King Herod grabbed James and cut his head off. And it, it says this in the word of God. When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jewish people there, he proceeded to seize Peter also. King Herod saw that his approval rating went up when he killed James. That's the James of Peter, James and John. He dies in Acts 12. When Herod saw his approval rating went up. Oh, I'm getting some votes for this. Like a politician today. Oh, this is, this is popular. Then he got Peter as well. And he was going to kill Peter as well. You see how the, the power of approval changed his decisions. The need to be popular Changed his decision-making process. And here's the thing. At the time, it looked like this is the right thing to do. But in retrospect, we've dedicated many babies in this church. Not one of them has ever been named Herod. Herod is not a popular Christian name today. It sits somewhere between Adolf and Judas as a name that people generally do not give to their children. His approval was temporary, but history shows that it was wrong. And that's what it's like with approval, isn't it? We want temporary approval. But what will history make? What, what does the bigger picture make? of the decisions that we are making right now and these decisions we're making in our, in our daily lives. Jesus had to upset Peter, his friend, in order to obey the Father. Paul had to upset a whole church full of people to obey the Father. He had to upset a whole church full of people in order to obey the father, who all thought that he was wrong. Rebellion isn't a virtue. Godly advice is precious and often prophetic. But don't try to please everyone. Let's look at one more verse from the Bible. Here it is on the screen for you. 
And if you're listening at home, 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Do your best. That sounds like that requires effort. If you have to do your best at something, it means that it's going to require something of us. Effort and determination, etc. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. Now this verse is normally given to preachers because it goes on to say who correctly handle or rightly divide the word of truth. But again, let's just park just on these first few words of this verse. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Approved unto God. Not approved unto everyone in your workplace. Not approved unto everyone in your family. Not approved unto everyone even in your church. But approved unto God. Maybe at this time in your life, you have some decisions to make. It's good to get advice. But we make decisions based out of love, not fear. Let me finish just with a story. I once counseled someone who is in a rocky relationship. It wasn't a marital relationship, wasn't a romantic or sexual relationship, purely a friendship. And in this friendship, the friendship was, you know, going wrong. There's a sense in which the friendship was really going wrong. And one of the two people, the one I was chatting with anyway, wanted to bring the friendship to an end. Sometimes this can happen in life, can't it? You don't have to be married to someone to think, I, I need a bit of a separation. But they were scared of, of, of ending this difficult friendship. And I said to the lady, I said, well, it sounds like this whole friendship is motivated around fear rather than love. I said, it sounds like you're making all your decisions based around what you're frightened of rather than what you are loving and what you love. Sounds like you're frightened of your friend. And she was. She had approval addiction at that time. Sometimes approval addiction might be even stronger than cigarette addiction or alcohol addiction or any other kind of addiction. We're certainly not wanting to release today into workplaces tomorrow and onto the streets of Cambridge this afternoon. A whole bunch of people who don't care what anyone thinks. No, no. It's, we want to extol the virtues of being kind and considerate, thinking of others. The Bible tells us not to be selfish, but to put others' needs first. But I just want to remind you as well that God has a plan for our lives. And sometimes that plan It's not the plan that other people have for us. And we must break through that. Sometimes we have to be approved unto God. And if we are approved unto man, that can sometimes just be a bit of a bonus. I'm one of these people, if I get a a movie on DVD or Blu-ray or something like that, I 
pick it up off the shelf and I look immediately on the back. What are the extras in this? Are there any, are there any making of um, documentaries? Very few of the women here know what I'm talking about. But this is what men sometimes do. Sometimes we go for the extras rather than the main feature. And I want to tell you that the main feature in our life is to be approved unto God. Never mind the extra, uh, 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 the, the bonus, the value-added material of being, of being popular among other people as well. No, in all of our living out of the life of Christ, with all virtue, with all kindness, with all diplomacy, with all sweetness of spirit, we're supposed to be the light of the world. It's supposed to be fun to be around us. So we need to have the love of God just flowing through our lives. When people meet us, it should feel like they're meeting a little bit with God. And I know for most of us, including me, that's a bit of a tall order. But make sure that you do the will of God, not the will of man. Not my will, but yours be done. But let me just add to it. Not my will, not her will, not his will, not their will, but yours be done. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.